G'day friends, welcome back. Tales of the Jedi, wow. Wow. Um, gee, Dave Filoni just understands this era in Star Wars, doesn't he? Far out. He's he's created just the most beloved and amazing character in Ahsoka. Um, and, and what he's done with some of the other characters in this era, the Clone Wars era, the lead up we see in this show is just, he just understands it. Um, like some of the stuff he's done in, in the live action in the Mandalorian and in Boba Fett has been good. Um, but what he's done here and Clone Wars and Rebels is just some of the best Star Wars that there is. So I thought this was amazing. Spoiler warning. I'm going to talk through all six episodes of Tales of the Jedi. Um, yeah, it, it was brilliant, and I really, really hope we get more. Hope we get more Tales of the Jedi. Hope we get more Tales of the Sith. I shouldn't say more. Hope we get some Tales of the Sith. I think that'd be really interesting. You can look at Palpatine, Maul. We can do Dooku after this era. Um, we can look at like some of the Inquisitors. I don't know. Um, yeah, this was just brilliant. So let's get into it. So episode one is called Life and Death, and this is about uh, Ahsoka as a toddler, basically. So we see her birth, and we see the, the community that she was born into. Um, it's interesting that they they live a very simple life, not a lot of technology. They've got a couple of droids. They've got some weapons, but it's a very, very basic existence. So... That really ties in with the whole idea of this episode and what these people are about, um, what the what the older lady in the town is about. It's all about the living force, the connection to nature. Like so her mother takes Ahsoka out as a baby to hunt and learn how all that works, to expose her to death, um, to, to teach her to not be afraid of it, that it is part of life. It's all about the connection and the so-and-so, which is all really good. And it does really very much tie into the idea of the living force. And I think that's really cool. Um, it's a beautiful episode. Like the whole show is beautiful, but I thought this one in particular, there's some really good work done later on with the lighting and, and some of the stuff with Dooku. But I just, I thought this episode was really, really beautifully lit, especially when they're in the forest later on when she's deeper in the forest with the big tiger, um, just the sun coming through, just the little gaps in the trees and hitting her face. I just thought it was really, really beautiful. Um, so her and her mum are out uh, hunting, I forget what they're called, um, Rybucks, Kybucks, Kybucks, something like that. Um, they kill one. 
they're, they're tying it up to take it back to town and they are attacked by this, basically it's like a big saber-toothed tiger, right? This big fucking thing. And the mum is smart. She's not a dumb lady. She Like, she doesn't run. I thought this was really cool. She doesn't take a soaker and run from the thing. She fucking takes it on. She roars at it. She jumps at it. She tries to fight it. Obviously, she's going she to get fucked up and she does get fucked up. Um, but it was really smart that she didn't run because when you run from a predator like that, the predator will think that you are prey. They can't help it. If, if, in the real world, if you're like, you know, face-to-face with a bear or with like a lion or anything like that, any sort of situation, or a tiger, if you run, it's going to chase you because prey run, you know. Um, so she takes it on. She's unsuccessful. The townspeople come to help, uh, but then it takes a soaker. So it just... It just picks her up and to, for whatever reason. <laughs> Rather than just running away from all the gunfire, it takes the baby for, for whatever reason. Um, and it takes her back to its den. And it's sort of sitting there and she's sitting, like she's one year old. And she's like, look, she's like, bah, 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 bah. like she doesn't know what's going on. And it's it's licking its lip. It's about to eat her, right? It's like, it opens its mouth. And then she just sort of puts her hand out. And then it stops, it sits down, it's totally calm. This is the first time, and we I don't believe we knew this beforehand, but Ahsoka has beast control. Now, I've said before, I think beast control is a pretty crude term, but it's it basically allows you to use the force to um, not control animals, although that's sort of what happens, but it you can tame animals, you can sort of... How you have a deeper connection with them. We've seen, like, we know that Anakin can do this. We see him do it with the Reek in Attack of the Clones in the arena. Uh, we've seen Grogu do it with the Rancor in Boba Fett. Uh, and Ezra has this, Ezra Bridger from Rebels has this ability to some degree as well. He has a deeper connection with animals than other other people. But it is a an ability that is really limited to just only the most powerful Forced users like you got to be pretty special to have beast control and we haven't seen ahsoka use it up until this point i don't know if there's been an opportunity for her to use it i don't know if like the jedi knew that she had this ability because she may never have shown it again um and it's not something you just test out to see if you have like it just sort of happens in the moment so if they didn't know that she had it they would never have like practiced it with her so even as an adult she may not be aware that she has this ability um but it's pretty amazing. Like it's pretty unreal. So she she tames the the beast, and then she rides it back into town. Um, and it's it's just like the tiger and all the townspeople are like we're good, we're cool, and it just fucks off back into the jungle. <laughs> um, but the 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 older lady, she's like the you know it's not a shaman. I don't know what the term would be, but she's like the the elder in the town and she, she just says Ahsoka is Jedi. And you might say, well, how the fuck do these people know what a Jedi is? Um, like they don't even have ships. Like how do they get off world? Well, th- there are other uh, Togruta, which is Ahsoka's species who are Jedi, like Shark T. Shark T may have come from the same planet. She may have come from the same village. We don't, I doubt it. Um, we don't know. Then there's, there's others. There's that little girl, um, in the in the Padawan class that we see in Attack of the Clones. She's the same species as well. So other members of Ahsoka's race from this planet have gone 
on to be Jedi. So it would be known what they are. So yeah, that, that's the entire episode. It is literally just about the, the very first part of Ahsoka's life and where she came from and, you know, her her Force abilities and her connection to the Force. I, th- I thought it was a really, really very, very simple, very beautiful episode. Episode two is called Justice, and this is where we get into the Dooku stuff, which is just so goddamn interesting. Oh, my God. So judging by the age that Qui-Gon seems to be, he's like a teenager or a young man. You know, he might be late teens. It's hard to tell. Like, he's he's very muscular. You can see his fucking pecs sticking out out of his shirt. But I I don't know if he's an adult. He, He might be. He's probably just a, you know, he's probably just in his late teens. So this is like a couple of decades at least before Phantom Menace, which makes it the earliest canon that we've seen on screen in all of Star Wars, which is pretty cool. Um, so it's it's even got Dooku as a relatively young man. He'd only be 30 or 40 at this stage, um, which is pretty interesting. And the two of them go to this village because the they go to this planet because a... Senator's son has gone missing. Turns out he's been kidnapped by the people of this town who have been completely, completely neglected. Excuse me, um, by this by this politician who who runs their planet, and like the, the town is like just a fucking shit show. All the people are starving. You can see how skinny and gaunt they are. Um, they're really, really, and justifiably so disgruntled. Um, I really, really like the look of the town and the people. It's like a really like 18th century English look. Um, sort of, I guess he's he's trying to convey that we are very, like this is before anything we've seen in Star Wars, which we like, we know because of who the characters are, but I just, I guess he's just trying to further convey that. Um, but yeah, yeah I, just, I just really like the look of the whole town. The music in this episode I thought was breathtaking. Some of the, the the Dooku episodes have got just the fucking best music. Oh, my God. Um, but, yeah, in this one it was quite amazing. So Dooku and Qui-Gon go and speak to the townspeople. They, the, you know, the townspeople don't really want to have a big fucking punch on. So they're like, yeah, we've got, this, we've got the senator's son. I'll, I'll take you to him. They sort of give up. And the, and the kid... The kid goes, I can't believe my dad has let these people live like this. It's like it's like the bloody wife from Christmas Vacation. <laughs> I'm sure these people would love to be in the Jelly of the Month Club. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's, he's like, you know, we should help these people. Father, how could you let this happen? Blah, blah, blah. His dad fucking shows up with a bunch of soldiers and things get a little bit heated. There's a bit of a shootout and... This is where we first see Dooku's ideology, right? Because he's so he's a Jedi, um, and he gets really angry because he hates this injustice, this corruption. It literally, not literally, <laughs> it makes his blood boil. It makes him so angry. So he he and Qui Gon defend the villagers. Um, they make pretty short work of all these of all these guards or soldiers, whatever they are, and he force chokes this senator. He gets he gets really hot under the collar. 
So this corruption is going to end here, all that. And Qui-Gon sort of has to stop him. And later on, he thanks him and says that Qui-Gon's a wiser man than he is, which is something Qui-Gon will later say to Obi-Wan, which I thought was nice. It's like poetry. It rhymes. <laughs> um, they have a really nice, just a really nice conversation in general, but you can really see the, the animation of Dooku's expressions is really, really good because you can see he's got this real, he, he looks defeated. He looks sad. He's got no, there's no like spark in there. He seems really hollow. Um, and this sort of continues on in, in the following two episodes about him. Um, but man, like I, I get the feeling this is not the first instance of this sort of corruption that he's seen. It was because like it'd be a pretty unreal reaction to just unload on this guy if it was the first thing he'd seen. But he's clearly got this built-up frustration over it. Um, so yeah, it was just it's fascinating to see. Like I thought the Dooku episodes were, were the best. I thought like they were the most interesting to me. The Ahsoka ones were good, but God, I've just found Dooku. He's a really really interesting character that we've hardly seen anything of. Um, so yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed that and I I just I don't think that he's evil same as Anakin wasn't evil you know like he he was just a bit lost like these these characters like Dooku and Anakin and Ahsoka they didn't do anything wrong they were just they were failed by the Jedi Order all of them you know um which I just I find it absolutely fascinating the the results of the arrogance of the Jedi Order during this era. It, it, it brought about the end of the Jedi Order, the way that they handled things. It's really, really interesting. But yeah, I don't think Dooku's an evil person. I just think he feels he feels kind of helpless. Like he's really moral. He's, his morals are fucking solid. And he's then they're unwavering. And he kind of feels helpless. Like there's only so much he can do on his own. And we see later on, that he, he sort of hopes the, the Jedi Council will do more and help, and they just don't, and they really, really let him down. Um, episode three is called Choices. This is another Dooku one. This is Dooku and Mace Windu on a mission, um, and it, it has Windu in it for a reason. This isn't just because he felt like it. Windu goes on this mission for a very specific reason, right? So they, they go to this planet to investigate uh, a Jedi master who has been killed. Um, the people on the planet say that it was like an ambush or something, but their story doesn't add up. They're talking to this. I think he's another senator who was uh, involved. The Jedi master was protecting him or something. Um, there's a really, really cool moment where they're talking to him. And I think Windu says, we need to go and check out the place where this happened. And the two guards in the background who are the ones who are, actually guilty of killing the Jedi and like are trying to cover it up. They, they like, they're, they're totally out of focus. If you're not looking at them, you won't see it. But um, like, as soon as Windu says that, he's like, one of them sort of shoots a look, just like, mm -mm, no, 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 <laughs> we're not going to have a look. We're going to get busted. It's just, it is a nice little, um, little beat at, at this stage. So this might, this is years after what we've just seen with, a young Qui-Gon, um, this is, so Qui-Gon is no longer Dooku's 
Padawan, um, but it's really hard to tell. This might be like a few years before Phantom Menace, could be five years before. It, it wouldn't be more than 10 years before Phantom Menace, just like judging how old Windu looks, the fact that he joins the council after, you know, it, it could be around five or 10 years before Phantom Menace, just sort of guessing and looking at the age that Dooku is as well. It's really hard, it's hard to tell when they're animated. Um, but I think at this stage, his politics have really gotten out of control. I think he's pretty gone by this point. Like, he's still a Jedi, he's still part of the Order, but he's really lost a lot of faith at this stage because he's immediately suspicious of what's going on. He, he Like, his, his first assumption is that these, these, you know, politicians have done something shitty again and he isn't at all tentative to get involved in a confrontation of any kind. Um, so what ends up being the truth is that this senator who dies in the altercation, he was selling off parts of the planet for profit and, and, and whatever. So these guys, these soldiers, were they, they killed the Jedi so that he wouldn't have any protection and that they could blackmail him or threaten him into passing legislation that was going to protect the planet. Um, and this is a really interesting sort of situation for Dooku because obviously they, they did the wrong thing, but their heart was really in the right place. And he says this much to them. He's like, you guys have a point, although your methods were questionable. I totally understand where you're coming from. Um, so it was really, really interesting. And the fact that he said that really says to me that he – is, is totally not on board with how the Senate is operating, how the Jedi are operating in reaction to the Senate. And he says later on to Windu, like, we really shouldn't take everything that is said to us by the Senate's gospel. We need to have our own thoughts. We need to do our own investigating around these things. And so what happens? So they take the, the, Senate, the, Senator, the Jedi's body back to Coruscant, they have the funeral. It's a really, really beautiful ceremony where the Jedi goes into the ground and this beam of light shoots up. I don't know whether that is just a beam of light or the body is getting like incinerated. Um, I don't know, but either way, it looked really lovely. We see all all the Jedi that we know, um, Jocasta Nu and Terra Sinube, who we saw dead in Obi-Wan and, and all these guys. Um, but what's really interesting is that Windu sort of dobs Dooku in. He goes and speaks to the council and says what happened. And Windu gets given the, the, the Jedi who died seat on the council. Um, and it is because of the testimony that he gave against Dooku. So Dooku is realizing more and more that the Jedi council doesn't care about the truth they care about the optics, yeah? So Dooku's aggressive actions got that senator killed, but he was he was trying to find out what really happened. He wasn't just taking the story on face value. He was, you know, he was trying to help the Jedi Order. Like one of their own got killed and he was like, something doesn't add up and he was following up and he's been punished for it. And Windu, who sort of ratted him out and followed the rules too much to a T, got rewarded. He got promoted. So Dooku is, you know, becoming more and more dissatisfied with, you know, 
sort of the way that things are being run. Like you stick to the rules to the detriment of like what is right and you'll be rewarded. Whereas if you bend the rules a little bit to try and, you know, like do the morally sound thing, like, it, you know, you get punished. So it's, yeah, it's it's really interesting to see all these different Jedi and, and how they behave. So Dooku was Yoda's apprentice, which I think is really interesting given how he sort of, tu- like how he turns out as a person. You can definitely see a lot of Dooku in Qui-Gon because Qui-Gon basically becomes the same person. He's very much like he's, he's 100% behind the Jedi Order, but he's very willing to bend the rules, um, you know, to sort of, again, to, to you know, to, to get the answer, to do the right thing. And we learn a lot about this in um, the Master and Apprentice book, which I'm so glad I read, especially like how it, like there's no direct connection here, but a lot about Dooku and Qui-Gon's relationship, a lot about Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon's relationship really early on. Um, it's just super interesting to see how each each master rubs off on their apprentice and that sort of rolls down and like how initially when they first start out as master and apprentice, Qui-Gon is the one who really feels the need to follow the rules and that obviously changes over time. And we see that with Obi-Wan, like he really wants to follow the rules um, and then he sort of doesn't, and that Anakin it then becomes the sort of renegade, and Ahsoka follows, and then it just rolls down and down and down. Um, yeah, God, it's just so interesting. In such a short amount of time, like as in screen time, just these three brief episodes, we learn so much about, and you really understand where Dooku was coming from, same as you understand with Anakin and Ahsoka. Like the Jedi Order was a fucking mess. It was a mess and you totally understand like these more free thinkers really questioning the way that things were being run. God, so good. Episode four is called The Sith Lord and it is, in my opinion, the best episode. I thought it was amazing. So we start off by seeing Dooku deleting uh, Kamino from the Jedi archives. So this is taking place right at the end of or during Phantom Menace. Um, so it's Filoni sort of filling in the gaps. We knew that Dooku had done this. We'd never seen it. Um, but he logs in as Cypher Dias to sort of... Because Cypher Dias had been the one who had had the vision about the war and and commissioned the clones, I believe, because of Sidious getting in his head, something like that. So then they sort of used him as a scapegoat and, and all that. Um so we see him do that. He comes out of the library and he's talking to Jocasta Nu, what's going on. And Jocasta Nu tells him that his Padawan, Qui-Gon, has had a run-in with a Sith Lord, which is the interaction with Maul on Tatooine. So we know exactly what point in Phantom Menace this is. Um, Qui-Gon comes back to the temple and he has a conversation with Dooku and Yaddle in the hallway. This is would be just before uh, the bit in Phantom Menace where Anakin goes up and does those tests with the council because um, you can sort of see that it's around sunset, which is when that happens. So assume it's the same day. Um, but God, Qui-Gon and Dooku, again, I'm so glad I, I have 
like you know know more about their relationship from having read that book because their relationship is really like lovely like Dooku seem doesn't seem like a really cuddly person but he and Qui-Gon were really close really really close so they, they have a really nice conversation about Obi-Wan because Dooku says you know be careful with this Sith Lord I'm not going to be there to protect you blah 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 um and Qui-Gon says Obi-Wan fills that role now and Dooku says, I'd love to meet him someday. And then obviously in Attack of the Clones, Dooku said, Qui-Gon always spoke very fondly of you. It's just, God, it's so sad. It's fucking sad as to, to hear them all speak just as friends and to know what's about to happen. So we then jump forward in time a couple of days and Dooku is standing out in the courtyard looking at the, the force tree and... Yaddle comes to speak to him and says that the council is going to Naboo for the funeral, so Qui-Gon has died. He says that he used to bring Qui-Gon to see this tree as a boy because he was born on Coruscant and hadn't seen a lot of trees, so he really liked it. It's so sad. God, and, and to know that he had warned the council about what was coming and if the council had taken more action and sort of helped Qui-Gon, he'd still be alive and... This was just amazing. I, I, like the amount of detail and effort gone into this little tiny storyline around Dooku just makes me think this is what Filoni wanted to do. And then he's like, oh, I've got these other ideas about Ahsoka. I'll, I'll pad it and we can make it six episodes. I think he's got a lot more stuff brewing. But this, God, this Dooku stuff is just amazing. And so Yaddle is there talking to him and she's like, you blame the council. She's trying to sort of help him and, and, you know, trying to empathize with him. It's really interesting that Yaddle doesn't speak uh, with the inverted syntax like Yoda does. So we we've, this is now, this is something we haven't known for sure for fucking 50 years, um, whether or not Yoda spoke this way because his species speaks this way or because he does, because he's the only member of his species we've ever seen talk. Grogu hasn't spoken, and until now, we'd never heard Yaddle speak. Um, but yeah, Yaddle, voiced by Bryce Dallas Howard, who did a great job. She does speak normally. So Yoda's speech is just a Yoda thing, which is pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, you can really, really see that she feels really sorry. She feels genuine guilt about what happened. And we learn a little bit later while the two of them are fighting that because of what happened, she stepped down from her position on the council, which which sort of um, answers a couple of questions because we had never... So I'll jump ahead a bit. She does die in this episode. We had known that Yaddle died around this period. Um, we don't know if it was a little bit after Phantom Menace because there's 10 years between Menace and Attack of the Clones. So we knew that it was somewhere in there a lot closer to the Phantom Menace end but we had never known the circumstances around her death. It wasn't known. And I wonder if George Lucas had, like this had been his idea of what had happened to her for all this time. And he and he told Filoni and he said, you tell this story whenever you want, maybe. I don't know, because it makes perfect sense. Because all of the council members were on Naboo for the funeral and Yaddle wasn't there. And you might think, right, if she wasn't there... The council members might go, fuck, what happened to her? But if she had stepped down from the council, of course, they're not going to question it. She's not a council member anymore. Why would she go to the funeral? You know? Um, so I thought that was really, really 
cleverly done and and to learn that like there's a lot of parallels between what Dooku does in this episode and what Anakin does in Revenge of the Sith to Windu, right? You got like you, Palpatine's taken on an apprentice and he needs them to show their devotion and and they do. And man, it's so god when so Dooku goes out to see Palpatine and Yaddle, Yaddle follows him. The entire sequence with Palpatine, the music, oh my god, the, the eerie choral singing is just, it just gave me chills the whole time, and it's it's so perfect for for Palpatine and his look, god, the look of him, how the entire top half of his face is in darkness from the hood, but you can see his eyes in there. Oh man, it's so fucking creepy. It's so creepy. So Dooku is talking to Palpatine and Yaddle shows herself not that bright, not very smart. Why don't you go and get help? (laughs) You could have just sat and listened and seen what was going on, but no. Um, she, She does show herself, but before she does, Dooku and Palpatine are talking and there's a point where Dooku's like, you know, I've already done so much and Palpatine says, I will ask more of you before this is over. Yeah, I'm going to ask you to have your head fucking cut off for the greater cause. <laughs> you don't you? God, don't you empathise with Dooku? Like he was, he was really like same as Anakin. Just like as soon as Palpatine had his hand wrapped around Dooku, Dooku was not in control anymore. Like Dooku was looking for more guidance for, for a mentor. He's looking for answers. He's so lost. Like the order that he had devoted his life to was letting him down so much that the the politics and everything was just ruining it all. And he's looking for answers and Palpatine goes, I have the answers. Come with me. We'll be great. We'll do it together. Oh, sorry. This guy's better. Kill him. You know, like, fuck. What a tragic character Dooku is. Um, so Yaddle, Yaddle and Dooku fight because Yaddle's like, you know, you know, Dooku, come with me. It can be forgiven. And Palpatine's just like, kill her. Like he's, he's like, just fucking just stop her. Make her go away. Um, and, and she fights. She fights just like Yoda, which makes sense. Like the, the flips and the hopping. And she does her best. But Dooku is probably outside of Yoda. I think Yoda's a much more gifted swordsman. But apart from that, Dooku is miles ahead of everyone else in terms of what he can do with the lightsaber. He is the best swordsman of this era of the Jedi. Like Yoda learned how to use a lightsaber 800 years before this. So, but the reason that Dooku is so proficient with the lightsaber is the form that he uses is not taught anymore. I forget what it, but it isn't. It's not like form one, two, three, like it's got some other name. I forget what it's called. Um, but he, he went and learned that. Well, he probably got, you know, he got taught that by Yoda because Yoda would have learned it when it was a thing. Um, so it's not taught anymore. So Dooku's one of the couple of people that know it. So how, how do you fight against someone using a form that you've never seen before or never learnt before so that he always has an advantage? So Yaddle never stood a chance, ever, ever stood a chance. Um, I really like the moment when he shuts the door on her, but then she lifts it back up and the sunshine comes through and Palpatine's like, um, he's not worried about the light. He's trying to hide his face in case Yaddle gets away. 
he can't have allowed her he can't really have allowed Dooku either to see what he you know really looks like I don't know if at this point Dooku knows that Sidious is Palpatine obviously when they're on the ship in Revenge of the Sith he knows because he gives him that look um but yeah it's hard to say if at this point he knew or not so yeah Sidious hides his face but then yeah Yaddle's just she's not strong enough and she's she's done and then Dooku just fucking like given how he reacted when he closed the door on her he falls to his knees he's like what like same as Anakin what have I done but then once you come to terms with what you've done, it's pretty easy to do it again. And and all he does once she falls out of there is he just cuts her down and that's it. It is like, it, it's amazing that this, so if, if you've seen all of the Clone Wars, it starts off pretty fluffy and, and kid-friendly and fun. And it as the seasons go on, it gets darker and darker and darker and more depressing. And there is some seriously dark shit that happens. There is some seriously sad stuff that happens. Same in Rebels. It starts off pretty fluffy, but then more and more like some really important characters die in a really in really sad ways. And more there's more emotional weight that's going on. This entire Tales of the Jedi series, there's not a lot of fun. <laughs> it's it's all sadness and depression, <laughs> all of it. <laughs> um, but it's still, it's amazing. Ma- making an animated show that is for adults, like this isn't for kids. This is dark stuff and, oh man, it's so good. It's so good. I, I loved it. I loved it and I loved what they did with Dooku. I want more. Dooku. I'd love to see they could do now Tales of the Sith and follow on with Dooku from here, you know, as as he gets involved with the separatists and, you know, more political stuff. And yeah, it's fascinating to now know what happened to Yaddle and it's so sad. It's so sad. And and because, you know, the, the Qui-Gon's gone, Dooku's left the order, you know, when no one knows where Yaddle's gone, who's going to investigate? Who's going to follow it up? They'll just be like, oh, yeah, she probably left the order. Oh, she probably, you know, something must have happened. Because there's no longer those Jedi who are searching for the real truth, the answers, you know, not just following the orders of the Senate. Most of them are, you know, either died or gone to the dark. So it is really sad. It's tragic in so many different ways. Um, episode five is called Practice Makes Perfect. And this is about how Anakin saved Ahsoka from Order 66. And this again is just genius. Filoni, you're a genius, mate. You're a genius. So Anakin was not at all satisfied with the training that Ahsoka was getting uh, with the, you know, the, the practice drone droid thingies. He's like, this is not a good, a good enough test. So he has the 501st do that test on her and they just unload stun rounds on her again and again and again um, until she can handle it. And it, it makes sense. Like if you can, like clone troopers will always be better than droids. So if you can handle an attack by a group of clone troopers, you'll be able to handle literally anything. It makes sense. It's a pretty full on method. Like I can't imagine it's good for you to, to be knocked unconscious by a, by a stun over and over and over again. It can't be good for your brain, but it's, you know, it's a good way to make a soaker better and it, you know, it clearly works. So the, the first part of the episode, it has to be really early on 
in the Clone Wars, just judging by everyone's like hair and everyone's age. Uh, in that training sequence before Anakin sort of takes takes over, we can see Caleb Dune or Kanan Jarrus as he's better known in the room with Depa Palava, um, which is pretty cool to see. There's a Terra Sinube again and another Jedi that we know in there watching her train. Um, but yeah, so so Anakin takes her out. He's like, I'm going to give you a real test. He has Rex and the Father first do this whole thing. We jump forward in time. This is now, this might be two or three years later, like right near the end of the war, and she's still practicing. So that that's, shows you how long it's taken her to get good at this. And by the end of the war, when the clone troopers do attack her, this is why she's able to survive. This training, there was no Jedi better prepared for Order 66 than Ahsoka, which is amazing. Like the irony that the the Jedi who was carrying out Order 66 in Anakin, like his apprentice was the one best suited to survive it because of his own training. It's just amazing. Um, Filoni, so ah Ahsoka is a lot of people's favorite character in Star Wars. She's probably, she'd be in my top three for sure. Um, Filoni is like you can tell that Filoni loves her like she's his baby really like every episode of The Mandalorian or Boba Fett that has had her in it he is directed no one else is allowed to touch Ahsoka because she's his right Um, and he just her character is just fucking amazing he has created one of the greatest characters in fiction like her, her connection to Anakin, the, her own story that she went on. God, it's it's been so special. And the Ahsoka show, I think, is going to be amazing. I think I don't know how many episodes it is at this stage. It's probably going to be eight, I would guess. And they're they're all going to be like this. They're all just like because Filoni just he loves Ahsoka. We all love Ahsoka. But Ahsoka's like his daughter, and he's and he's telling her story. He can do with her character what he pleases. It's going to be so special. Um, episode six is called Resolve, and this is so we see this is set right after or right at the end of Revenge of the Sith because it starts at Padme's funeral, and to know that Ahsoka was there. Oh, oh my God, it's so sad. It's beautiful that she went. It was risky, um, but it's beautiful to know that she was there. Bail Organa spots her and he, and he chases her down and they have a conversation. Um, he says that you there was nothing you could have done to save her, nothing you could have done to save either of them. So he's talking about Padme and Anakin because they all assume that Anakin was killed in Order 66. Like Ahsoka doesn't find out who Vader is until Rebels, until like for like another 15, 16 years from now. Like it's ages before she finds out that Anakin survived. Um, so yeah, she, everyone is assuming that he died to, yeah, just to know that she was there. Next time I watch Revenge of the Sith, it's going to totally change that whole scene just to know, like obviously you're not going to be able to see her because she didn't fucking exist yet. <laughs> but just to know that she was present 
is pretty. It's really sad. God, this show's fucking sad. Now that I think about it, it's it's how all these characters, how all their lives were just ruined. All, this, all the horrible trauma that they all went through. Oh, my God. Um, fuck's sake. Um, we cut forward a little bit. It wouldn't be that long in the future because she basically looks the same. It might be a year or two. And she's basically living like Obi-Wan was living on Tatooine. Um, found a quiet community. She just, she's got a really basic labor job. Um She's just, they're just fucking moving hay bales and selling them or whatever it is they're doing. Um, and there's this moment where a bunch of hay bales are going to fall on this girl and she uses the force to save her. Uh, and she gets seen by the girl and other people get suspicious. And this is, you know, you can tell that shit's about to go poorly. Um, this guy who's a fucking asshole, he suspects that she is a Jedi and she, he says shit like, may the force be with you. Like he's being a fucking asshole and he calls an inquisitor uh, to come and the inquisitor just fucking burns down the whole village. He kills everybody. <laughs> like, Oh my God, what a fucking overreaction. <laughs> I mean, he's looking for this Jedi, but <laughs> this guy who called him because there's a Jedi, it's like, just trust me. There's a Jedi. He's like, yeah, no, nah, like, I'm going to settle this shit on fire. I'm going to kill everybody except for you. Um, he's a pretty, a bit of a hothead, the sixth brother. Now, the sixth brother, so obviously Ahsoka shows up, or Ashla, as she's naming herself. So that's the name that she takes as a cover in the Ahsoka novel. Um, so that's where that comes from. But she she shows up and he's like, <laughs> he's got this real like, <laughs> he's got this really interesting voice. He's got this cool mask. He's got this cool cloak on. But he would know who she is because there's there's no one. All the Jedi of her species were probably accounted for as having been killed, um, whereas her body was never found. So he would know who she is. He says, can it be Ahsoka Tano? Turns out, yes. Yes, it can be. And she fucks him up. Oh, my God. It's it's a lot like the Maul-Obi-Wan fight on Tatooine in Rebels. Um it's like two swings and then it's over. She doesn't even use a lightsaber. She's unarmed. She will have hidden them somewhere or whatever. Um, but yeah, she just dodge, dodge, grabs it, yanks it out of his hand and then just fucking cuts his head off. Oh my God. So good. Everyone's like, oh, that's bullshit. I want to see a fucking fight. No, think of like, stop being greedy about the fucking action you want to see. Think about who she is as a character, right? All of the Jedi who survived Order 66, there was like a hundred of them at the beginning who survived it. They're the they're fucking serious Jedi, right? Not just anyone survives it. Either they were extremely powerful or they were saved by someone else or they got lucky. Like you look at Kane and Jarrus, like he was a kid and he survived, but that's because the Bad Batch kind of helped him, right? So to to have survived, you're you're no slouch, right? So obviously Ahsoka is extremely powerful, right? She's extremely powerful anyway, right? And then you add on the fact that she was trained by Anakin. She is one of the most powerful Jedi to ever live. Yeah. We know, like, she lives a long time after Order 66. There's not many Jedi who were alive before Order 66 that live as long as she does. In fact, she might be the only one because Yoda dies in 
Return of the Jedi. And obviously, Anakin, like, he doesn't really count. Obi-Wan dies in A New Hope. And I think everyone else is accounted for. I think uh, while we don't know, well, yeah, Kanan Jarrus dies in Rebels. Spoiler. <laughs> um, God, yeah, she might be the only one that, that we know of, at least. Or we don't know what happens to um, Cal Kestis. I couldn't think of his name. Um, but yeah, as far as we know, she is the only one who was alive before Order 66 that lives as far into the future as she does. So she is one of the most powerful Jedi has ever lived. So yeah, I, I think like Jedi like her, Obi-Wan, there's no Inquisitor that could take them on. There's no way. Like if Obi-Wan had fought the Grand Inquisitor, Obi-Wan would have fucked him up. He would have fucked even Obi-Wan that was out of practice. Even the Obi-Wan that fights Vader that first time, halfway through the Obi-Wan series, that Obi-Wan would have fucked up the Grand Inquisitor. Because these Inquisitors, they're, you know, they're, they're strong. They're Force users, but they're not, you know, then like in Rebels, they're sort of made out to be like the agents in the Matrix. Like if you see one, run, <laughs> that sort of thing. But really, like, you know, like the Grand Inquisitor, for example, was a temple guard, right? He wasn't even a Jedi. He was a temple guard, right? These are like the leftover, excuse me, don't mind that, Um these are like the leftover force users who who like weren't Jedi or they 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 begged for mercy and became inc- like these are not the best of the best. So of course Ahsoka's gonna fuck him up. Of course. Um and then yeah, so there's a couple of people left from this village. And another way that she's a lot like Obi-Wan is that she has Bail Organa you know, on speed dial basically to come and help. So she gives him a ring and he comes and takes these people and I guess they go and live on Alderaan, which, you know, whoops, <laughs> not the best place to go and live in this era. Um, but yeah, and then that's it. That's the whole show. We're definitely going to get more. This the, the response from the fans and from critics has been way too positive for us not to get more. And it's not like it isn't like a live action show. Like all they need to be able to do is write this, record the audio and animate it. Like this is a lot um, easier to make. It's, I'm not saying it, they're easy to make these shows, but they are easier to make than another season of The Mandalorian or another season of Obi-Wan or whatever, you know, and only six episodes. I'd be very happy to get another six episodes next year. Very happy. Because like even the like the Bad Batch is taking a while because they're doing twelve episodes at a time, or sixteen. Might be doing sixteen, um, so that takes a lot longer, a lot more voice work, a lot more animation, a lot more story work. So the Bad Batch is taking a little bit longer. But yeah, got six episodes. You just take another like imagine if we got next year Tales of the Sith. We could do Palpatine as a young man, and, we, and it could end during Phantom Menace when we know he kills Plagueis. So Plagueis is alive and active during Phantom Menace, but that's when he, you know, so when he tells Anakin that story about how he killed him in his sleep, that happens during Phantom Menace. So we could build up to that and then we could, you know, take your pick. Who else do you want? Follow on with Dooku. You could do Maul. You could do Maul during the era Post Order 66, when he becomes the crime lord and is doing all that stuff. God, there's so much. 
for the amount of content that we've got set during this period, there is so much more that we can look at. God, it's so good. It's so good. This was amazing. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, I hope I've done it justice. I'm still a little bit like I get a little bit overwhelmed by how much I love this stuff when it's this good. Um, So I feel like my analysis is not as in-depth as it could be. But, man, just the Dooku stuff especially, he's one of the more interesting characters alive during that era of Star Wars and what these episodes have done for me is just feel so sorry for him it's it's so sad the way that shit turned out for him because he was an amazing Jedi and he just you know you totally understand where he was coming from and same with Ahsoka to see where she started off and she you know things were going great she was apprenticed to the you know the most powerful Jedi ever and and then to know where it ended up and to see, you know, how sad that she was. I'd love to get, because the Ahsoka show is going to be set around the time of the Mandalorian, but I'd love to see flashbacks to her after Order 66, to see her going through the shit that Obi-Wan was going through, the emotional trauma after everything that went down. Like, obviously, Obi-Wan had a little bit more knowledge about who Darth Vader was, um, but still, God, to, to see her go through that would be you know, obviously sad, but just amazing to see as well. All right, that will do for this one, guys. Thanks heaps for listening. Remember to like and subscribe uh, to the podcast. Leave a review, leave a comment. Um, if you found this organically, you can follow me on Instagram at timespent underscore podcast. That's the only social media that I'm on. Facebook can fuck off. Twitter can fuck off. I don't need TikTok. I don't need any of that. <laughs> Instagram will do me. Um yeah, let me know what you guys thought. Let me know what you know what you would like to see if they do a season two or if they do a Tales of the Sith. Let me know what you'd like to see. All right, see you guys later. Bye.